0: Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Right. So this week, our sermon is titled, Vanity. And I'm not talking about the type of vanity where you're looking in the mirror all the time. So we won't be covering that as much. Um, We're going to look at a different definition of what vanity actually means. And by doing this, we're going to dive into Ecclesiastes. Last week, we dove into the way of wisdom, and we saw Solomon had this great um, encounter with God in a dream. And he asked for wisdom in a discerning heart, and God just poured out and gave him this wisdom. And this is kind of a continuation of where Solomon ends up. Years later, possibly, when he's an older man and he is trying to tell us what wisdom has done for us and, and what for it, wisdom has done for him and how he kind of messed up along the way. So if you have your Bibles, um, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and we will read from verse 12 through 18. And as we go through this... Um, we're not going to take it just at face value, because when you read Ecclesiastes, it can sound really disappointing and kind of sad almost. But we're going to dive into the core of the text. So starting at verse 12, from 12 to 18. When are there, say amen. amen. Okay, cool, that's enough. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge." And I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after win. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. What Solomon is trying to describe to us right now is that earthly wisdom is futile. And Ecclesiastes, like I said, it's a very interesting book of the Bible. And though it can sound depressing, um, it's really not. It offers a perspective of humanity and everything a part of that without God. So when Solomon is talking about wisdom and knowledge and everything we're going to dive into, this is everything that he does in himself and does apart from God. And that's why it's all vanity. And what you may, in your Bibles, you may see vanity or you may see meaningless. And this term is from the Hebrew word hebel or hevel, And it just means a vapor, basically. It's like smoke or something. That's what the word is translated into. And this whole book is a testament to no matter what something looks like and how sure you are about it, when you reach out, it's just a facade when it's in your own power. And like kind of when you're a kid and you saw the clouds and you wish you could reach out and gra- was I the only weirdo that did that? Does anyone else think they want to reach out to the cloud and like eat it like cotton candy? Well, this is what Solomon is talking about is no matter how much he knew, no matter how much experience he had, when he looked to the future and thought how he saw a situation was going to turn out, he thought he could perceive it or manipulate it. When he reached out, it was just smoke and mirrors. It was not real. He couldn't figure it out. No matter how much he knew, he couldn't see the future. And no no matter how much you know about things and how sure you are, um, you realize you can't really grasp the reality of it, and it just slips through your finger. And the preacher or teacher here, um, who's Solomon, like him, we have the freedom and ability to learn as much as we want. So don't let this discourage you be like, well, there's no point. I don't need to go to school. I don't need to learn anything else. Kids and teens, I'm talking to you right now, you still need to learn things. This is what it looks like apart from God. And we have that freedom. And Solomon says it's an unhappy business that God gave to us. It's unhappy apart from God because no matter how much you learn, there's always more to learn, Right? You can't always figure everything out. You can't be uh, uh, an expert in every subject all of the time because things change, things advance. And no matter how advanced science gets or medicine or understanding the brain or engineering or space exploration or deep sea exploration, every time we figure something out, there seems to be a new complexity. There seems to be another unanswered question. Okay, well, if this is true, then what does it mean for this? And everything I thought about this now has changed, and now there's a new window. And so that's what Solomon is talking about. It's unhappy. And especially for those of us that have to know everything. Does anyone do that? You, you hear about something, you immediately go to Google. And you're like, oh, I want to figure this out. I see some heads turning right now, and I know of one especially that was in our growth group. (laughs) He's always like, well, actually. But for those of us that, that happens, that can be a real disappointing and be a real struggle if you can't always figure it out. If you don't always have access, you can't always figure out the source of why something is happening. And it can turn out to be depressing. And we're living in a generation now where knowledge is more accessible now than ever before. Anything you want to know about, you can click and search online, on your phones, whatever. You can constantly figure out details, you can constantly figure out information, and yet in all the knowledge we have access access to and how smart everyone is getting, look how dark our world still is. It's not really changing much, is it? We know so much, and yet all we see are tragedies and calamities and mass shootings and murder and suicide, and, and it's... Because we're seeking knowledge, most people seek that earthly knowledge and look at things just in the natural. Because when you do depart from God, you don't see the spiritual realm. You don't see what God is doing. You don't see above the problems in a broader perspective. When you just look at the natural, that's all you see is the bad stuff that happens. You can't see what God does in those bad things to turn it around and bless someone or help a situation or change a culture or change a society. So when you're just seeking knowledge apart from God, it's just it's meaningless. It becomes ultimately meaningless. And with us nowadays, always seeing the news and always getting more information and it's always telling us that stuff. Now we're seeing statistics that we live in a day and age where teen suicide rate and just across the board suicide rate is at an all time high. Anxiety levels, depression levels, they are at an all time high. And why do you think that is? I believe it's because we constantly see all the bad stuff. We're constantly being filtered and fed everything bad with the world, everything wrong with people, and it's making people not trust each other. It's making people not trust the authorities that are above them, anything. And you're so anxious. And now kids who just want to be kids and have fun outside are getting access to this, getting access to the Internet. They're seeing all this bad stuff, and they think it's their burden. Because now they're like, I've got to fix it. If they haven't fixed it, guess what? I've got to fix it. The world's going to be destroyed. It's all on me. And that's creating, we're seeing that in kids and teens where stress levels and anxiety levels are just being quadrupled and multiplied time and time again because they're struggling with trying to figure out how to fix these problems. And that's an intense burden that we're giving to our next generation. So what is the answer? If we don't teach each other and live out an example of trusting God, when we find ourselves in our future generations, they're going to look like Solomon in this moment. If you don't teach your culture, if you don't teach your family how to trust God and how to lean in on Him and get His wisdom and understanding, then if they try to do it all in themselves when you're long gone, they're going to be like Solomon, like, it's worthless. It's meaningless. Nothing's happening. No matter what we do, no matter strides we take, we're still failing. This world is still falling. People are still being treated terrible. Everything is useless. And you're going to send them with... a a life and a culture and a future where there's no hope. Because without Jesus, there is no real hope. There's nothing to look forward to. There's no point to this life. It's you live, you live, you live as happy as you can, do what you want, and then you die, and then what? There's nothing. But with Jesus, there's purpose and there's meaning and you're chosen and you are called and he wants to use you and he wants to bless people through you. He wants to use you as a vessel. And if we don't teach that to our younger generation and remind ourselves, then it's going to be lost and we're all going to feel like that. What's the point in life? Because wisdom and knowledge apart from faith just disappoints and frustrates people. That's all it's going to do ultimately. And we can be like Solomon and spend our entire life learning wisdom and learning knowledge and trying to seek things, but we can go even deeper than that because he wanted to experience and know the root of madness and folly. What is madness? How mad can I be? How foolish can I be? And we can get so wrapped up into diving into just that. Not just so much you want to know things about this, but you want to see how far you can go. You want to see how far you can take it or how, what the limits are, and this is something I did before Christ for sure, because there was a time after my parents were divorced that, that I thought for a second, okay, I'm going to give church a try, and I didn't actually seek a relationship with Jesus. I just tried to play church. I, I thought it was culturally acceptable, and the more I tried, other Christians who I don't believe really were intimate with Jesus— They constantly looked at me and was like, oh, you're a sinner, you're messing up. And they would just point out all the bad things I did. So in my mind, what I calculated was, okay, if I'm already bad, I'll show you how bad I can be. You think I'm crazy? Watch me now. And that's something I strove for. I strove to be dumb and make really stupid decisions strive to be the worst possible person I could be because I'm already getting judged for it. Why not actually be it? And it's something that's easy for the world to get trapped into. And we see that in teenagers. We see that in young adults, that they're just diving into something, trying to figure something out and see how far they can push the limits. And it's a trap. You create a trap for yourself. And and maybe this isn't you. And I know this is for some of that's an extreme example, right? Hopefully not all of you are that dumb to do that. But for a lot of people It happens, and and it's something that we can dive into and, and learn more and figure out, and seeking that, that's not sinful in itself. What Solomon is trying to remind us that without God at the center of our life and our decisions, that everything we seek to know will ultimately become useless and fade away like a vapor in the wind. Again, it's striving after things without putting God at the center of why am I learning this? Why am I seeking this? Is this for the glory of God or is this just for me? Is this something I want to do for me? And we have to remember to put God into the situation because last week we talked about wisdom and how it comes from God. True wisdom comes from God. And it's the wisdom that Proverbs talked about when God was creating everything, when he was um, creating atoms and molecules and building the earth and putting the, the giraffes and the sea lions or whatever else he was creating, that wisdom was there and watched him do it. And why we need that wisdom, because if you truly want to understand the complexity of life, if you truly want to understand what God's aim is and how he does things, you need to have that relationship with him and seek his wisdom so he can tell you. He says that in James, seek it, I'll give it to you. We have to want to seek his wisdom. We have to seek a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we don't find our life meaningless. Amen? Because you can accomplish and understand more if you choose to learn from God rather than just the world. God can enlighten the complexities life has to offer if we would just choose to listen to him first. Don't seek out the natural stuff. Go to God first in your situations. Go to God, God, I can't deal with this. I can't figure this out. I'm not creative enough. Whatever it is, and he's like, let me help you. I want to help you. That's something he wants to do for us. But what about those people that maybe that's not you? And you're like, "Uh, I don't really need to know everything. Like, that's cool for someone else, but that's not me. I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't, and I asked for you. Turn with me, please, to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we'll read the first three verses. When you there say amen. Amen. Oh, that was so fast. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. I said, Of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And these verses sum up to say that earthly pleasure is futile. So what is God saying here? Does God actually want you to enjoy your life? Is it, is it saying that he wants you to solely just look to heaven one day, that far off future where everything's going to be perfect, while you're on earth, it's going to be terrible. You're not, you're not going to enjoy your life. I've not called you to do that what God's saying? Absolutely not. He's not. He wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to laugh. He wants you to have fun. Because it's, it's kind of like what you experience. Anyone under your leadership or your family, parents, you want your kids to be happy. You want your team to be happy. You want them to be content. Because the happier they are and the more content they are, the more loyal they seem to be. Right? I've heard it said that people don't, don't usually quit the job, they quit the boss. Because if you're in that atmosphere where you constantly feel like you're not taken care of, you're not cared about, what's the point? Like, I need this. I need to feel good sometimes. I need a little bit of pick-me-up or some praise, some positive reinforcement. And if I'm not getting that, then whatever I'm striving for, I'm going to do it halfway. I'm not going to go all in. But you see these people, and and maybe you've noticed or been that person where they've been in a job where it's not the best. They could do better, but they're so in love with it. They're so in love with the management. They're so in love with the team that they bend over backwards. They work when they don't have to, and they give all their effort. They dedicate everything to this team because they believe in it, and they feel appreciated. So if God wants us to desire him, he wants us to be loyal, don't you think he understands that? Don't you understand that God does want you to enjoy life the best that you can? So if that's the case, in wanting to have fun and desiring pleasure and enjoying things God created, if that's not the issue here, then what is? The issue has got to be when we get to the point where we want to have so much pleasure that we go past God's limits and drown ourselves in sin. That's what he's trying to tell us. Don't, don't do that. Don't go far away from me. You can have fun in my presence. You can enjoy me. I can help you. I can bless you. Don't try to seek it in yourself. Don't try out and do everything and, and please yourself in all these wicked ways that I've called you not to do because it's going to set a trap for you. And for a lot of this, maybe you've done this in yourself where you've actually, what, when we want to be happy, when we seek that fulfillment, oftentimes we do it in other people. Yes, yes. Have you done this? You wanted a relationship or something, and and you sought out for someone else. You needed someone else to be there for you. Well, apart from God, this can become twisted. And here's an example. You have a teenage girl, right, who grows up not feeling loved in her home. She's not feeling loved by her mother and father. This happens every day. There are so many teenage girls that feel like this. But she ends up in high school, and she finds that one guy that says he loves her, and she feels like he means it. Finally, there's someone who loves me. Finally, there's someone there for me. And, and instead of seeking out God or having her identity being grounded in Christ, she seeks that fulfillment in this guy. And she becomes intimate with him, and now she becomes pregnant. And now this guy, because of all the responsibilities, he bounces and he's out. That love that you thought was there was not really there. Now what? Now she's trying to figure out, how do I raise this child alone? I'm young. I already feel like no one's there for me. How much more do I feel like people aren't going to be for me now? Do I even keep the baby? And this is a reality that is happening so often. I know of at least three or four girls that I've met in my life personally that have dealt with this. And it's sad. And this can be an extreme case, but we all desire to be loved. We all desire to feel wanted. And there's a lot of us that seek that immediate pleasure But by doing that outside of God's will, we create a trap for ourselves. Instead of that girl finding her identity in Christ, she made a trap for herself that God, of course, can redeem her from and help her in that situation. But it doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean that what you do apart from God doesn't create these barriers in your life that you have to deal with and hurdles that you have to jump over. And God's will for us, though, he wants you to be pleased. He wants you to be happy. Sometimes he's asking us to sacrifice our immediate pleasure to help someone else out. Because guess what? That girl needs help. There are people all over this world that need someone to reach out. And that's called sacrifice for you. For the body of Christ, that costs us something. That costs us our time. That'll possibly cost you a room in your house or something to reach out and help the ones that have lost. And then you can witness into their life, that girl's life, and tell her, you're not alone. Jesus is with you always. Whether I'm here or not, he is there for you. And we can instill that identity in them and give hope to people. And though it can seem like, man, now I'm wasting my time and now I've got extra bills and I've got this and that, you will ultimately find yourself... So happy and full of joy when you actually do what God is calling you to do. Whatever you get involved in to build up God's kingdom, it is worth it. It is worth it. And after a while, you'll be so filled with with doing God's work that you'll be continually filled with his joy. If you're finding yourself not happy and not full of joy, are you doing kingdom work? Are you reaching out, being the hands and feet of Christ? Because he gives us strength to go through that. He blesses us to be able to handle that. And he will amaze you with how he can turn situations around. And when you see it happen, when you see that life change in someone else's life, you will have so much joy. I can guarantee you before Christ, I sought out so much personal pleasure in myself with drugs and alcohol and different relationships and never felt satisfied, never felt happy. But when I saw me being used by God to help someone else and have them create a relationship with Jesus, I had more joy than I ever had before. And it pushed me to continue. When you do that and you're in the hands of feet of Christ, it pushes you to keep going and pushes you to continue to reach out. Amen. And when we do those things, when other people seek out for that natural joy, natural pleasure, maybe it's alcohol or whatever else, at the least, it's a temporary Band-Aid. It's only going to mimic pleasure. It's not going to be sustained. It's something in your life that to get that feeling out, you've got to continue doing it and continue doing it and continue doing it to where you become an addict of your own personal pleasure. And you can do that in, in any way, really. You can become addicted to anything to make you feel good. But doing that apart from God, you will constantly make that hole even bigger and find yourself so far from God. And so looking at life like this is meaningless. Everything I'm doing is meaningless. What's the point? But when you see the impact God has through you, when you say yes. Like, for example, when you see a kid, a young kid in kids' ministry, whatever, in kids' church, give their heart to Jesus all the crazy things you did to prep for kids' ministry, all the funny things you wore and the silly songs you sing becomes worth it because now you see the impact that you had because God used you When you start seeing teenagers reach out, and I've seen from our church, our ministry, reach out and be witnesses and want to pray and be there for each other and lift up one another and and encourage and, and, and speak to atheists and stuff at school and invite them to church, everything we do that seems silly in youth ministry becomes worth it. All that time and effort because you're seeing that through you, God is making disciples. And even at work, if you have that person that's constantly calling you dumb because you're a Christian and you need to see a psychiatrist or whatever, I can't believe you talk to God, and they constantly curse you out. When they get saved because you were faithful, it will all be worth it. And everything they said, everything they did to you will be completely wiped away, and it all becomes worth it. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. Follow Jesus and be fulfilled. He will supply your needs and help you through all of your scenarios. We just have to trust him. And we have to lean in and let his presence just saturate us and sustain us constantly. We don't have to wait until heaven. We can enjoy his presence and purpose now. You want meaning to your life? Ask him what your purpose is in this season. God, what am I supposed to do right now? Maybe I have a goal in a future that you've called me to do this 10 years from now, but I know you use me in this moment too. What am I supposed to do now? Who am I supposed to disciple? Who am I supposed to love? How are you training me up? Have those conversations with God. Let him fill you up. Amen. Turn with me to verses 4 through 11. Same chapter, Ecclesiastes 2, starting at verse 4. When did they say amen? Ooh, so quick. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Isn't interesting God didn't take his wisdom away? God promised something and kept his word. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity in a striving after win, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. After years of gain and pleasure, Solomon is showing us that earthly possessions are futile. At the end of the day, he had it all And it was still worthless. He couldn't get enough stuff. And it's interesting if you go through here just to highlight how many times he says, I. I did this. I planted this. I had this. I did that. And no reference to God. Thank you, Lord. Even the wisdom. He's like, yeah, by the way, thank you for the wisdom you gave me. Nothing. Because he is trying to show us that in everything he did in himself is worthless and useless. It's a vapor in the wind. It's just smoke. It doesn't have any substance to it. Everything he tried in himself, it wasn't good enough for him. He still wasn't satisfied. Some of us really don't need to know everything. And some of us really don't just constantly want to have fun and, and be pleased all the time. Some of you guys are driven and want to build something and be something that you are proud of and can view as an achievement. Is there anyone out there like that? That you want to be something. You want to be, be a part of something. Maybe for you it's a literal structure. You want to build something that can last and stand the test of time for a long time. Or you want to build a video game or software. Or you want to create a piece of art, Or you want to create a new invention that is, that is amazing and revolutionary. And you want to be a part of it. When people look at that, you're like, ah, that guy did it. That guy was, because of that guy, this happened. Or maybe, if it's not that, maybe it's a reputation or an appearance you want to have. You want people to know you. You want people to view you a certain way because you want to be somebody. And hundreds of years from now, you want to be remembered as somebody. You did something. You was somebody. And I always think of the movie Troy. Has anyone ever seen that movie with Brad Pitt as Achilles? I'm the only one? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you about it anyways. So Brad Pitt, he plays. Okay, we had one. Sweet. The reference isn't dead <laughs> you have this guy who he plays this warrior achilles and that's his whole goal in life is to be known and he says that hundreds of years from now my bones will turn to dust i be gone but my name will stay and everything that he does everything going into battle and being full of courage is solely towards that because he wants to be remembered and maybe for you it's a position If you could just make it to CEO-level status or the head of your department or you could become a general, then everything you did up to it would be worth it. But the question is, whether it's something you built or your reputation or your position, is it really worth it at the end of the day? Will all your sacrifices be worth it? And for this, I want to do a short little sermon illustration, if you don't mind. So I will need three volunteers, three brave and creative volunteers. Please, not everybody at once. I'll give you a second as I move this table. I will pick, guys, I'm just saying. I will pick people. All right, let's see. You can come. Come on, man, get on up here. Damien, will you come up here? Ryan, will you come up here? Thanks, guys. Oh, give them a hand. Oh, that's so nice of them. I can't believe they were gonna do this, wow man just so humble so awesome no i really do appreciate it guys okay so i'm setting my timer because this is what i want you to do you will each go one at a time right and i will tell you to build something out of your play-doh okay who wants to go first all right ryan it was your birthday you get blue okay now you can go and take it out for a second put it through your fingers get it all moldable Because you are going to have 25 seconds to create, and you can do it over the table too, because we don't want it getting on the carpet if you really want to, just saying. Um, So yeah, let's do it over the table, because I just got told yes. So (laughs) you have 25 seconds to build something, all right? And you are going to create a tree. That's what I want you to do. I know. No, you don't. I'm sorry. That's the way the game is played. So you have 25 seconds, all right? And are you almost ready? Because I'm going to start the timer. You ready? On your mark, get set, go. 25 seconds, make a tree. And hopefully it'll like be able to stand up or something. That would be really cool so everyone could see it. But no pressure. I mean, you're at eight seconds now, so you're, you're doing good. Kind of. There you go. That's a nice bush you got there. 15 seconds. Yes. Ooh, very awesome. 21 seconds. Oh, man, let it stay. That looks like a pokeball. 24, and 25 seconds. Stop. Okay, you totally cheated right now. All right, that's what you get. All right, I'm going to move it over here. That was fantastic. Everyone give him a round of applause. That's a great-looking mushroom. I love it. That does look like a mushroom to me. Just stay up. All right, next up, Damien. You are next, man. And uh, go ahead, take it out. Go ahead, mold it for a second. Over the table, please. When you're ready, start. Okay, on your mark. You ready? And you're going to get 35 seconds. You're making a tree. I apologize. You're still making a tree, and you're going to have 35 seconds. Are you ready? And begin. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Sweet. He is an engineer. He's already formed it like it's going to have a good base. Sweet. All right. You're at 15 seconds. Right on. No pressure. See, your hands are shaking like weird a little bit. You all know, did an amazing job. 25 seconds, 10 more seconds. Come on, man, you can do it. Oh, are you done? Oh, he stopped with time to spare. Okay, 32 seconds. And we've got this beautiful green tree. Great job, Damien, fantastic. Look at that one fell over. That is, I'd fix it, but you know, I don't have time. All right, now you are going to make a tree as well. And you're going to have 45 seconds. 45 seconds to make this tree. Are you ready? You are? Okay, over the table, please. Remember, please, don't spill anything. All right, on your mark, get set. Oh, you are starting out flat? Okay, go ahead. Forty-five seconds. It's like I know what I'm doing. I've seen what they've done. That's a nice heart you've got so far. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh-oh. Oh man, oh. Somebody <laughs> had You're at thirteen seconds. Hmm. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> that looks great. Are you done? You quit? Okay. Only 25 seconds. All right. Well, great job, guys. Fantastic. Everyone give them a hand. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. That was, that was pretty awesome and kind of fun. I want to bring a little light to this. So the reason we did this and we made this stuff is because these three things resemble all of your earthly goals and your earthly possessions. And for some of us, that's what we constantly are striving for. Outside of God, we're striving to create something or build something or be known or, or have a name, have that position. And ultimately, for some of us, you can even see, like we did, I had them go after because you can see what somebody did before you. And you see, ah, that looks good. And if they spent 10 years of their life doing that, guess what? I'm going to dedicate 20. I'm going to perfect it. Or if they spent 20 years that, I'm going to dedicate my entire life And you work your entire life for something that in the blink of an eye can just be destroyed now it's gone is that a tree and even you can build something and it's awesome and it stands the test of time for a second but we can't guarantee that who inherits that who inherits your possessions who inherits all this knowledge that you dedicated will they sacrifice the way you did will they preserve it for you because no matter how wise and how knowledgeable you are, you ultimately hand down everything to the people that come up behind you. And can you really trust them? Are they wise? Are they foolish? I don't know. And everything you work for in a second, again, can just go kaput, even over time. And this is just an example, just a visual aid to show us that what you're working for apart from God, really, it can be destroyed in a second. In a matter of an instance or a situation, everything you dedicated your life to can look meaningless. It can look like vapor and it's all vanity. And it can be kind of sad to us. But all of these are simple examples to teach us that our possessions should be heavenly. We should be laying up treasures in heaven. And that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on the screen, verse 19 through 21 It says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is God telling you? To base your possessions, your inspiration, and your reputation, everything on God. And through that, by giving it to God, by saying, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for your kingdom. It will have lasting effects because Jesus promises that, that nobody will take the awards and treasures that you're working for away. No one can steal it. No one can grab it. It is yours for eternity. Jesus gives that to you. So don't sacrifice your family or your relationships and your health on getting things that won't last forever. Is it worth it? If what you're striving for and trying to achieve, if it's going to cost you your family or cost you your health, is that really what God wants you to do? Does God want your family to be split up because you're doing great things, you're going to achieve something, they'll understand. But in the meantime, not a lot of people do. They don't get it, they don't understand, they don't share your desire. What will last forever is a legacy of following Jesus and where you and others will spend eternity. That's what will last forever. Your soul is eternal. It's going somewhere. Where is it going? Where is your family's soul going? Invest in your family. Invest in your relationships. Invest in the people that God has put around you. That's what you should be working towards, is discipling other people and making disciples. And even. For yourselves, you can, you can hear this and maybe you're all pumped like, man, I want to do things for God now. That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. And you can get so zealous and like, now I want to be a pastor or I want to jump into missions or whatever else. But if you do all that and though you have great intentions, if again you forget and leave your family behind and you're not there for them and you don't disciple them and you don't raise them up, then what's the point? Because no matter how good your intentions are, your family is going to go to hell. Are you going to allow that to happen when you're supposed to be the spiritual mentor in your family, the spiritual leader? Because it's it's a lot like when we get saved and we're so overjoyed, like, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. What do you want me to do? I'm on fire. I'll do anything. If you would invest that same time that God invested in you and do it for your family and people around you, then instead of them being a burden that you're carrying as shackles when you're trying to do the Lord's work, they will help you. And they will be able to pick up the burden and help guide you even. Help you through those situations. You can build up an army that they're so appreciative. Man, I knew things were stressed out, but you were still there. You discipled me. You loved me. You listened to me when I needed you. I'm loyal. I'm all in. People need Jesus because I needed Jesus, and you showed me that, and you taught me that. And it's a privilege that we get to do for other people. So I'm going to end with this and ask you a question that, honestly, if you're not transparent and vulnerable with yourself, then it's meaningless again. But what are you really working towards in your life right now? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you being the church? Is everything that you're striving for, does it really matter in light of eternity? Everything, your reputation, your position, getting pleasure, whatever it is, searching for the next new thing. Is it worth it? Because you can't put all your focus and determination in anything apart from Jesus. Because he has to be our source for all the things we're truly seeking after. And if he's not, you're going to end up, this is vanity, this is meaningless. Why did I waste 10 years, 20 years of my life doing this? What if this was your very last week on earth? You have from now until next Sunday. That's all you get. If this was your last week, would you do things the same or do things differently? Would your priorities shift? Would your decision making change? Or would you stay living the same? Because Jesus tells us you're not promised tomorrow. So don't worry about tomorrow. You focus on today, what he's given you. What can you do today? If this is your last week, everything you're stressing out over, is it worth it? Is it worth your time to stress out over stuff instead of trusting God? And in everything you're working for, would it all be vanity? Or would you end up going to heaven with eternal treasures? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.